Welcome to Uncontained. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and uh, welcome to episode 197 and your break from quarantine. Yes, you don't have to be in commute to listen to podcasts. You can do it simply, simply by clicking on that favorite app of yours and listening, or you can even ask your home devices to play it, such as Alexa or Google and all that fun stuff. So you can you can get that in your home, listen to the podcast while you're in bed, sitting on the couch. It doesn't have to be in a car or on a crowded bus or train. So I have a great episode for you coming up. It's with actor, voiceover artist, screenwriter, and podcaster Langley McCarroll. And uh, we have a great conversation. It's fun. We have a very similar sense of humor where you take those moments of pain you make fun of them and deal with them that way and uh, we have a couple of examples of that coming up in the show and how people may look at you crazy while you're doing it but you know that's kind of how how you deal with life sometimes and also talk about some fun stuff too and uh, connections he has made throughout his time acting like Deborah Wilson from Mad TV. There's a story containing her and what he's trying to do right now in this in this crazy quarantine time to stay active, stay creative, including taking classes online. But I don't want to give everything away right now. I will uh, actually just go ahead and jump into this episode. Make sure, make sure that uh, you're spreading the word about it, please. It helps a lot. Get the word out there. Uh, leave a rating and review in iTunes or whatever uh, podcast player that you like listening from. So without further ado, this is how Langley McCarroll lives uncontained. Alexa, play uncontained. Here's uncontained from Apple Podcasts. How are you doing today, Langley? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, surviving the apocalypse and everything like that. What are you doing with uh, your uh, sweet, sweet quarantine time? Uh, well, uh, I still work a, a day job, so um, okay. fortunately I didn't lose that when all this happened. Um, so, you know, that, that keeps me busy in the mornings. And then uh, just, you know, focusing, trying to, trying to do some writing. Um, a, lot of a, a lot of writers, um, they kind of like that isolation I'm on the other end of the spectrum. When I write, I prefer to be out like at a coffee shop. I need that okay. energy kind of going on around me. So it's for me, it's proven a little more difficult to 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 really um, contain my focus while I've been here. Um, yeah. So it's been. Uh, I think we're going into this is our seventh or eighth week now in LA um, for the safer at home quarantine. So, did they uh, just extend it to July for you they, guys? They did. Yeah, that's that's what I saw in the LA Times yesterday, um, which I, I kind of saw coming. Yeah, I'm up in the Bay Area right now, so like I could see it happening, but yeah. as of right now, we're still at the end of May, May 31st or whatever. But yeah. you know, I'm still having to go into work two to three days a week at my regular job. Luckily, I don't have to face customers or anything. I just have to take public transit to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you're, you're wearing your hazmat suit and everything. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole body <laughs> condom. Right. Uh, <laughs> I love these people that walk around with their masks, like, below their nose 
where it's yeah. like only covering their chin and maybe their bottom lip, you know, but like the upper lip is still kind of sticking out. I mean, you know, honestly, that's like just wearing a condom on your balls. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's it, it's that effective, man. It's that effective. Yeah. Um, or, you know, when I'm just walking and I don't see anybody around, I'll take the mask down, put it around my neck. Sure. You know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's like, OK, I'm not going to infect myself with something that I don't feel I have right now. But right. when I'm around people just out of courtesy, just in case I'm one of those people that are carrying right. it and don't know it, yeah. like, I'll, I'll put the mask on just so I, you know, don't have the guilty conscience of killing somebody's grandpa. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. It's it's caring for your fellow man. That's what it boils yeah, down it's, to. It's not being a dick about it. Right. But, you know, I, I just am trying not to turn into uh, Howie Mandel on an everyday basis, you <laughs> right. know? Like, I, si I feel weird hitting the traffic light button to go walk across the street. It's like, uh -huh. oh, I've got to sanitize. I was like, yeah. man, yeah. the next thing I'll be doing just, like, fist bumps all the time because I right. don't want to <laughs> shake people's hands. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a, I'm a very, like, um, kind of low-end uh, OCD and germaphobe. Okay. So for me, the, you know, like washing my hands is like, you know, it's not a big deal, um, you know, yeah. but uh, one thing I've noticed, like, I, I know that the dermatologists are going to be doing really well after all this is done because, you know, you're it just washing constantly like that. Your, your hands just get so dry. So Dude, I'm constantly moisturizing and it's, it's crazy, especially yeah. in the California dry climate, right? Like living in the mm -hmm. desert, it just sucks it out of you. Well, I, I will say this though in the Midwest because I'm I'm from Iowa originally. I'm I'm from Ohio. Okay, so you know, you yeah. know, in the winter it's dry in the Midwest, right. and like uh, Ohio is kind of the beginning of the East. I don't know. Do you consider Ohio Midwest or Eastern? I I've always told people that I'm from the East Coast, and okay. the reason why is because I where I grew up in Ohio it was like the 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 southeastern tip of okay. the state. So, you know, and most people that I meet uh, out here in L.A. that are originally from Ohio come from Cleveland, Dayton, Cincinnati, more of like the north, you know, northeast, okay. northwest. Um, but, you know, I'm from the very southern tip of it. I my the apartment I had in college, I could look out my window and look right into Kentucky. I was literally. Oh, wow. I, yeah, it was like a 15 minute drive into Kentucky. So the funny thing is where you have uh, Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia meet and Pennsylvania meeting. Um, it's like those four corners kind of join, right? Yeah. Um, Michael Keaton grew up about a 40-minute drive from where I grew up. Wasn't he from Pennsylvania? So, exactly. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't remember which one of those states it was. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, West Virginia, uh, it took me about 30 minutes to get there. And like I said, you know, 10 or 15 minutes right into Kentucky, depending on which, which path I took. Okay, so. fair enough. I, I just tell people I'm from where Ashton Kutcher's from. And then they're like, right. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay, Iowa. I don't know where that is, but I know Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Let's not talk about weather or geography anymore because this, yeah. this isn't a social studies class or, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, geography <laughs> class. So let's just uh, roll on, man. So, okay, so it's not as easy for you to write right now since you can't uh, go to a coffee shop or put a face mask on and sit in the waiting room of a hospital just to get that energy. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> so what have you been doing 
that's an tr- idea. I haven't it, thought about it that. It is. Wear, wear your body condom <laughs> and go in there. Dress as a doctor. Right. It'll never stop you. So what what are you doing to try to keep those creative juices flowing? Um. Well, uh, you know, I I consistently take an acting class. Um, okay. I mean, I've I've been studying acting for over twenty years. Um, and you know, I I try to I try to maintain some sort of consistent outlet. If I'm not doing a play, if I'm not currently working on you know an independent film or a TV show, something, then I have to be in class. I've got to have that. So um, you know, two two days a week uh, for about two to three hours, I'm in a in an acting class. Um, are they online right now, or are they? Yeah, we're doing it through Zoom, okay. which is. Um, it's been it's been good. It's been fine. I miss you know the just the energy of that live audience, um, definitely. Especially you know if it's a comedic scene or something, you know you just you uh, you just you don't get that through Zoom. Um, but no, it's, at least it, not it's as been much fine. anyway. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Mo- most of the the laughter and and feedback you get afterwards, as opposed to during. You know, so you don't really know if you're hitting those those uh, comedic beats or not until afterwards and plus a lot of times too like say the zooms the skypes and other uh other like audio conferencing things like when one person is talking the volume from the others kind of drop out so you aren't talking over this like right. what i'm working on right now what i'm talking to you over is squadcast and it's recording mm-hmm. on each side which is nice so like it doesn't you don't have that voice drop off while you're doing an interview yeah, you've got the separate channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not gonna like drop out and be like, "Oh, I can't understand what he said right there." Uh, right. I can boost the volume up and stuff like that. So that's nice. But to my point, though, like it, they could be laughing as you're doing your bit of it a little, but you just can't yeah. hear them because the right. sound is dropped off because you're the one that's uh, talking. Yeah, and actually, I mean, as an actor, if you're if you're thinking about that during your performance or if you're if you, if you're even paying attention to the laughs um i mean live theater is a little different you know you're going to you're going to hear that that yeah. uh, that laughter and that that energizes you um but if that's what you're focusing on then you're you're not you're not in character you're not focusing on on your job so okay. it's 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 you know it's it's a balance you got to try to find that balance yeah, I come from a little different background. I think acting would be cool to try. I haven't done that yet, but I was working on getting back into doing stand-up comedy before this mm. all happened. And, yeah. you know, while you're on stage, you want, like when you hear that laughter, you got to be aware. Like, you know, if you're getting the laughs, keep going. If you're not getting the laughs, you know, maybe uh, read the room, maybe redirect or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just starting to go back and get back into doing open mics and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden I was like, ah, oh, you can't do anything. Um. <laughs> but R- respect, man, because I, I hold such a high esteem for stand-up comedians. I didn't say um, I was good. Well, just the fact of, of getting up there and doing it. I've attempted it a couple of times doing like those three to five minute sets. Yeah. And they they went okay. I mean, I got laughs. It was fine. But stand up in to me is the the only artistic um, performance arena that just fucking terrifies me. Really? I am so yeah, and I think it's that's my it's my own issues. Like I, I hold so much respect for stand up comedians that I just I really struggle with it. 
um, when I started doing my my podcast, my my comedy podcast, that was it started out to be more of a way for me to uh, kind of do that stand up comedy and play around with the writing and do some sketch and you know it's a because uh, like my my show wasn't a um, an interview style show like this. Yeah. It was literally just me doing five minutes of storytelling and, you know, ranting comedically about absurd shit that happens in my life all the time. Um, and it was, it was a great outlet, but it, but, but that's not live standup. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not, but, but in like what you're doing right there with, uh, the ain't life a bitch podcast, um, which I, which I dig by the way, I was listening to, it, I was like, it reminded me of, uh, uh, you know, family guy where, uh, Peter Griffin oh, yeah. would go on and be like, what grinds my gears, that little bit yeah. that he had. Yeah. To be honest, to be honest, that was a little bit of an inspiration. Uh, I'm a huge Seth MacFarlane fan. Um, uh, family guy, the Orville. I, I love all that stuff. Um, yeah. so his, and the way that he kind of, you know, he's got a scene going on and then all of a sudden he'll reference something and then it cuts to this, you know, the most absurd insert. <laughs> on the show and then then comes back like nothing ever happened i love that 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 is just like amazing comedic timing to me yeah yeah and mcfarland does family guy just like perfect you know there are right. the times where like i think occasionally they go a little long with something like when peter falls down and bumps his knee and he's like ow yeah ow yeah ow but <laughs> then then repeating it so long though like you go from okay that's funny to oh god stop to okay that's fucking funny again it's, you know right, it's the uncomfortable <laughs> it's like yeah, okay yeah, okay yeah. you sold it you sold yeah. it i got it nice yeah. nice work touche but yeah uh, what the you were... 15 minute chicken fight is amazing yeah that uh... where they just go from like you know, location <laughs> to location <laughs> man that chicken's got a bad attitude though man i'll tell you and peter has every right but <laughs> Your podcast, dude, like um, the way you're writing that, as you were saying, like that material could be turned into doing stand up. Because when I was yeah. doing radio before I did stand up, I like basically my first time doing stand up, I took all the rants and bits I did from radio and I kind of transformed them a little bit to fit the stage. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, as a DJ, I, I kind of look back and see, like, oh, man, I can't believe I, I did that. I was, like, talking trash about some of the music we played. But the listeners loved it because it was honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I took that to the stage, and, you know, it, it helped, and then I grew from there. Yeah. But so if you want to take some of that stuff from the Ain't Life a Bitch podcast and yeah. try to tackle the <laughs> stage again, once we're able to get on stage, I think yeah, that'd be cool. Right. So yeah. Another question about uh, about the podcast. Um, did you do all the voices in there too? Is that all you? Because you have like a manager, you have like other like side voices. I've got, <laughs> I've got the producer. I've got the, the the people that in the audience that just hate me. Yeah, they just Boo! absolutely hate my joke. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> what a dumbass. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I do all the voices, all the characters. Um, if it calls for a female voice, um, you know, I'll try, I'll, I will do my absolute best female voice and then I'll go in and change the pitch as I need or, you know, okay. um, uh, change the tempo if I need it to fit a certain, you know, pacing. Um, but all, yeah, all the voices and everything are done by me. Very cool, man. Well, I... well, 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 with the exception, every once in a while I'll use a movie clip and one of my favorite ones, like basically anything, Sam Jackson. 
anything Samuel L. Jackson, if I can fit it in there, you know, uh, for whether it's a Pulp Fiction line or something, I'll just throw it in there real quick. Yeah, I was listening again the other day, and I think I heard – well, I heard a Pulp Fiction. I don't remember which episode it was, but uh... – does he, does he look like a bitch? <laughs> Is it that one? <laughs> no, I, I think it was the uh, – <laughs> Um, I think it might have been a bad motherfucker one or something like that. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, unfortunately, you haven't, had, you haven't had a new episode for a while. Why is that? <clears throat> well, when I, uh, I moved out to L.A. Um, four, almost four years ago. And prior to moving out here, I, I was recording. Uh, it, it's at a, a studio in Ohio. Uh, called Mailroom Studios, and they had just established a podcast studio. Okay. Um, and the my producer Brad, who I mentioned in some of the earlier episodes, um, he convinced me because I, I I had gone back to Ohio after being gone for many years, um, basically just to work at that studio um, as a a segue to moving out out here. Um, so while I was there, I was there for about eight months, and um, you know it's it, it's a really small town in Ohio. There's not a whole lot to do. Um, I had lived on the like the southern east coast for almost 17 years uh, in a beach town. Um, so and it had a great you know theater community. Uh, a lot of film and television were being done there at the time. It uh, when I first moved there. It's Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. When I first moved there, it was the third largest um, film industry in the in the country, oh. and then everything left and went to Canada, and then all the start the some of the states started doing tax incentives to try to lure them back. So then all the states got into this you know tax incentive battle. Yeah. Uh, and and now everything's in Atlanta. So yeah. you know, um, but anyway, while I was there, uh, you know, I was I was. I was getting bored, and I was I was trying to find something creative to do. And um, Brad told me he said, you know, he said your your rants and just just bitching about stupid shit that happened. Whether you know you've just washed your car and birds have you know looks like they've taken a machine gun of white bullets to it. Um, <laughs> Damn white bullets! He's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> you know whatever it is. He's like, it's funny as hell. And he said, I I think you should just you know, sit down at the mic and see what comes out. And uh, so I, I went in one day with kind of an idea of uh, something that had just happened to me that morning. Um, and uh, I recorded uh, about five minutes of this, you know, embellished story. And uh, I used it as a kind of a pitch pilot for him. Uh, and I gave it to him. I said, look, you know, you listen to this, share it with a couple of people. Um, if everybody likes it, if they laugh, then I'll, you know, consider developing it more. Yeah. And uh, it ended up, you know, with a little tweaking and a little re-recording of some stuff, it ended up being my first episode. Um, and it just, it grew from there. It ended up doing 50 episodes. Um, and I had pre-recorded several of them prior to coming to L.A., and then when I got out here, um, I found it difficult to get clean audio out here um, in, in our apartment anyway okay. because we, we live right next to the 405. Um, it gets really hot, so 
uh, I've constantly got my air conditioning on during the summer. I ended up having to take like pretty much six months off because it was so hot, uh, and the, the episodes started falling behind. So um, then, eventually, when I when I really got geared up to start a, what I would call the second season, uh, it was right around the time of the presidential elections. Okay. And every social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, well, not, not so much Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and several others that I was using, they started implementing trigger words into their algorithms, uh, mostly bat, you know, it, like cuss words. Yeah. So one of the main ones is bitch. Understandably why, right? It's, it's if you if you take it in that context um more like directed toward women that's that's not how it's used on my show that's not at all it has nothing to do with that um but it's a trigger word and so advertising through social media became impossible without having to go back and completely redo all the artwork change the titles of every episode because if you try to share an individual episode that link has the title yeah um and so it it flags it and it won't it won't share it at all um everybody's advertising through social media now that's where everybody's getting their news unfortunately um it's where you know people are paying the most attention so that's that's the the venue for podcasts that you really need to to utilize as you know you i'm sure you know full good and well definitely um so it's just been one of those like um, trying to figure out is it worth the time and energy to go through an entire design revamp uh, you know just to do these five minute episodes you know one a week um, so it's it's been something like I really want to do it I'm just trying to figure out the best possible way to do it um, I'm not an artist. I had uh, somebody else did the the artwork for me, and he did it for free. Didn't charge me anything, so I kind of you know I don't want to go back to him and say, "Hey, could you completely redo this for me?" You I, know. I understand that. I had a friend do uh, this for me. Oh, love it! Yeah, that's yeah. That's yeah. my uh, that's my logo, the uncontained mm-hmm. uh, angry chimp gorilla, whatever. I'm not a primate expert, but it was a tattoo artist friend of mine from back home. And uh, I, I couldn't draw that, yeah. so <laughs> she helped me out. Me- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Megan Wagner of Ten uh, Six Tattoo. Or- so if you need a good tattoo, go see Megan Wagner. Shout out. <laughs> How long does it take you typically to produce like a one of the five minute episodes with, uh, with all the added tracks in there? <clears throat> from from concept to finish. I probably put in six to eight hours for every episode. That's, you know, coming up with uh, how I want to tell that specific story or event. Um, write, writing it usually comes pretty pretty easily. That, that, does, okay. may, that might take me half hour to an hour, you know, depending on uh, how detailed it is. Um, the, uh, and then the, the recording, you know, I'll do... I'll usually just do it and try to do it in one take. Uh, if I flub, you know, I'll pick up the lines. And then with the voices, I will go back and I'll, I'll basically just kind of do the first first uh, draft okay. in my normal voice. 
and then and, and I'll leave just enough space where I can go in and edit. And then I'll go back and I'll try to find, you know, what voice fits this the best. Uh, and then I'll go in and manipulate everything in the mixing. And I'm I'm nowhere near a sound mixer, but I've I've learned I've learned quite a bit just from doing the show. Um, but I would say by the time it's completely done and finally uploaded, six to eight hours. Six to eight hours. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I that's about a lot of the times what it takes to do this, just going through doing editing, like removing background yeah. sound and stuff like that. Right. Um. Well, I don't really write out a script beforehand, but, you know, I do a, I do, right, I yeah, do yeah. some research, but I also want to find out things about people, like, naturally during sure. conversation, because I don't want it to come across like, oh, we've had this conversation before, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Sometimes, but I do more research on some than others, and if there's somewhere it's like, okay, I know I can probably just, like, flow with this guy, I, I roll with that as much as possible, you know? But... You know, it's good to have bullet points as backup sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. okay, so it takes you about basically a whole day's worth of work to do if you're working an eight-hour day to do a yeah. do an episode. Now, like I know you're talking about rebranding and everything, or as a pain in the ass. Are you currently working on doing that, or is it still something like, eh, if I get around to it, or once <laughs> I, you know? Once I get enough yeah, rage built up, I'll, have, uh, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's 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 kind of a, a big part of it. Um, it's also, you know, t time and availability. I mean, like right now, being in quarantine would be the perfect time mm -hmm. to start it back up. I wish I would have been able to get the like the rebranding and everything done before this hit yeah if you know if, if if i'd been able to see into the future and know that this was going to happen uh i would have been up and ready and i'd probably already have 20 episodes out um but yeah so it's definitely something that i i want to try to work on and um i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to uh my former producer and and some artists that i know and see if see if we can work out something and kind of you know redo it um i mean it's been you know that's another thing it's been two years since i released the last yeah. episode and uh <clears throat> you know i got caught up really busy just um working the day job taking classes auditions um you know when when they were coming um writing other projects i, I write a lot of uh, spec tv pilots and things like that so um yeah it's uh it, trying to trying to find exactly where my energy needs to be focused at the time okay. and uh the podcast just kind of ended up taking a back you know taking the back burner uh for a while but um i definitely really want to really want to try to get that going again it was a lot of it's it's so much fun to do it really is yeah i bet it like after being stuck in like uh, I've, I've heard a few, more than one rant on the la traffic and your thing so i'm just going to use that for an example after being stuck in la traffic for uh you know going like five miles an hour for like three hours um right it's got to be a relief when you get home to hit record and be like this mother <laughs> <laughs> right yeah 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 well, and you know that's that's another thing too. Um, Brad had pointed out to me. He told me actually right before I moved out here, right before I left Ohio, that um, 
he said, uh, one thing I, I see happening is, he said, you're going to get out to L.A., um, and you're you're going to end up, like, because I'd, I'd wanted to be out here for years. Yeah. Like, th- this was always the goal to be out here. It just took me a while to do it. And uh, and Brad said, you know, I what I see is you're going to get out there, and all of a sudden you're just going to be the happiest motherfucker walking around the city. <laughs> and he said, and and he said, which is great. That's what I want for you. But your podcast is going to go to shit. And when I got out here, I started realizing that the only things I really had to complain about were the traffic and rude people. And that was it. Like, just, you know, rude people, and mostly they were in traffic. Yeah. Um, so it was like, okay, well, yeah, I'm not – I don't think I was in the right frame of mind the first couple of years because I was so excited to be out here. And, you know, and, and things were things were going pretty good. I mean, I, um, I, I really don't have much to complain about. Uh, in the in the almost four years that I've been here, it's been it's been a really great move. It was the best move for me personally. Um, but yeah, the 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 content for the podcast started to suffer a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I I got a question for you about your sense of humor and everything, because in a way, it seems like we have somewhat of a similar sense of humor in the way where it can rub people the wrong way or not necessarily be the most politically correct of all time. Right. Have you noticed like a change uh, from like, say Ohio, East coast, Midwest um, humor to out here in California? Yeah. Um, (laughs) I, I won't say Ohio in general because it, you know, there is such a huge difference between the, the northern end and the, the southern end. But I will say that where I grew up was very much kind of a – it kind of falls in the Bible Belt okay. mentality. You know what I mean? So um, growing up, the the only kind of outlet I had for my sarcasm and uh, – just dark sense of humor was my mother and uh, my best friend. Um, everyone else just kind of looked at me like I was, I was either weird or just I did not fit in. I was not, um, you know, I didn't assimilate properly. Yeah. I guess growing up for that area. Um, so by the time I was, you know almost done with college i was i was so ready to just get out of that state um and then i moved when i moved to north carolina mainly the area that we were in it was a beach town um there was a like i said uh told you earlier there was a lot of filming that was going on there and uh so it was much more of um much more of an eclectic area um the just the type of people that were there, they were so much more creative and so much more just uh, kind of open and caring. And um, it was very much like a, a small Los Angeles. Um, it, I mean, we had so many people that had moved there from Los Angeles, a lot of celebrities and uh, different artists who just wanted to get out of the hustle of Los Angeles and raise their families in a, you know, just a, a more calm uh, environment. So, it was a completely different atmosphere for me. 
and it really helped me to just open up and kind of like I think the first five years I was there was really just you know finding myself most people find themselves in college um, it, it took me the five years after college to really kind of find find myself really nail down my point of views my um, you know and 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 my dark twisted comedic take on a lot of a lot of things okay. um, but then coming out here to LA because it's you know it's Hollywood um, it's it's welcome and it's encouraged and uh, so I, I've never felt more like myself in my life than than I have after moving here interesting interesting because my take on things like up here in the Bay Area moving from like in the Midwest and like Iowa I've where I'm from, at least, it felt like more of like an East Coast atmosphere where, like, when you're with your friends, you bust each other's balls a little bit. Then coming yeah, out yeah, yeah. here is like I was like trying to like act like I was back home, you know, and people would get like offended. Like, why are you being mean? It's like, ah, oh, it's just how you treat friends. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah. you know, so like I, I see a lot more people up here that I've come across as more sensitive. There there are some people that you can, you know, like throw stuff back and forth with, but sure, um, yeah. it's just, but if it's, it, it's, it's difficult though, because there are some things that are dark that people will joke about, but it just can't be directed mm -hmm. at any one person, you know? Yeah, let, let, let's, let's put it this way. This, this will probably sum it up. Um, when I was 16, I had just turned 16, uh, and a month later, my mother died. Oh. Um, and she, she raised me. She was a single parent. Um, so, you know, that it completely shattered my world. And uh, we, uh, just, you know, a few days after her death, we had her memorial service. And it was, you know, distant family that I didn't really know very well, but they, they came in for it. Um, People that I went to high school with, um, the few close friends I had, others came just out of respect. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, a lot of my mom's friends, or, you know, all of my mom's friends were there. And my relatives, who didn't really know me very well, <laughs> got really upset because there we are at my mother's memorial – it's not the funeral, but it was it was like the showing, yeah. the viewing, the visitation, um, or whatever. Yeah. And and I'm cracking jokes, and I'm uh, like my my best friend's wife will uh, now, you know, uh, we were still in high school at the time, but his wife now, we were all good friends back then. She never lets me forget that at at my mother's viewing, uh, when she went to hug me, I grabbed her ass. <laughs> And it was just, you know, because that that's that's the way we were. We were friends. We were family. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. The, uh, what was it? I just what? Oh, um, the Peanut Butter Falcon. And one of the standout lines in that movie uh, is, um, "Friends are the family you choose." Yes. And so, my my sarcasm and my dark sense of humor on things just my need to try and make the best out of the worst situations um those types of people have been drawn to me we're drawn to each other and so 
you know, I would say 90% of the people in my life are very similar to me in that, in that way of thinking. And so, um, it's, I haven't, especially since moving out here, I haven't come across as much resistance yeah. toward that type of personality. Um, it's really, you know, like I said, it, it seems like it's, it's a lot more welcomed out here because I think there are so many people that they, they want that, they want that freedom. They want to, they want to know that, um, as long as they're not hurting someone, yeah, just that speaking their opinion or making a joke, making light of something to try and just lift the mood, um, you know, they, people want to do that, but I think, I think a lot of people are afraid to. And my mother raised me to be so much more outspoken, not really just to really try and not give a fuck what anybody thinks about you. Just be who you nice. are. And, um, you know, and, and I love comedy, you know. And so for me, just being able to use the sense of humor that, that I – honestly, I, I think I got most of my sense of humor from my mother um, – just being able to use that, not just in my daily life, but also to pursue this crazy profession, this crazy dream, um, it, it, that makes it all worth it. That absolutely makes it all worth it because I feel I feel like I can be a genuine person. And if you don't like me, you don't like me. It, it doesn't. I really don't care because the people that I have in my life, they do like me. They love me, and uh, you know. That's that's to me all you need. Hell yeah, man! I, I think I think I think that we would get along, man. I think that we would get along in like real life because when I was 27, um, basically I had a stroke of the retinal artery, leaving me blind in my mm. right eye. When I was in the hospital for that, like talking about how humor helps, I deal with situations like that through humor as well, because comedy comes Dude. from pain. It's like it's yeah. proven. It's like I don't know if it's scientifically proven or not, but yeah, we'll just go with this. But while I was in the hospital, I like turned to like one of my friends that was there visiting. And I think my mom might have been in the room too. And I was like, well, I guess what they say about masturbation is right, you know? <laughs> I'm like, thank God I'm not ambidextrous. Uh, <laughs> and. Then uh, after that, my friend Doug, um, be, being the good friend slash jackass that he is, he was like, hey, you want to play hide and seek? He stood in front of me, then walked to my side where I couldn't see him. You know, <laughs> I was like, that's 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 like the humor I grew up with, you know, and like how I right, deal with right. it when I put that out there and people don't like. That's how, like, when I'm going through a hard time and do that, I get those weird looks that your extended family gave you at your mom's funeral. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, the whole time yeah. you were telling me that story, I was like, dude, I completely relate to that. I completely relate to that. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, man, humor is uh, a lot. It does. It does. And, and you, you have to be able to laugh at things. Um, I, had, I had cancer when I was a baby. I was 11 months wow. old, and I was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. I went through almost three years of chemo treatments and radiation, and the entire time, uh, my mom used to tell you know people that they would ask you know, like you know how how was he as a baby with cancer and going through all that? Was he constantly crying? Was he sick? 
And, you know, my mom was like, no, you, you would never have even known anything was wrong with him. He was always laughing. He was always playing. Uh, he was always complaining about the noises that the kid in the bed next to him was making and keeping him up at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, and I, I, was, I felt really bad about this as I got older because I, I would think back to certain memories. And there was a – I have very vivid memories, let me just say, of – being that young and little moments from being in the hospital. Yeah. I mean, I can just, I, I see everything so clearly. I remember what the color of the carpet looked like. I remember smells, all the stuff. And um, there was there was this one time they had put me in a room or, or maybe they put him in my room. That's that's what I'm going to go with. He, they put him in my yeah, room. Yeah, it was all your right? room. And that and it was my room. came in. <laughs> And I, I think, you know, looking back on it, I think the kid must have had some form of um, either, you know, autism or Down syndrome, or maybe it was an OCD okay. thing. Um, but he, I remember he would lay there in his bed and he had this, it was the, the barrel of monkeys. Remember the plastic yeah. barrel with the, oh, right? And they would interlock yeah. and everything. And he would just sit there and shake it and just shake it and just shake it over and over. And I remember... I remember looking up at my mother and saying, get me out of here. It was just driving me so mad. And all my mom could do was laugh, you know. <laughs> um, but it, it was just that constant, like, eh, eh, you know. And I was so – and I, I had to have been one, maybe two years old at the time. Yeah. And I was just so aggravated. It was, get me out of here. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I could, that could get annoying, though, you know. Unfortunately, that other kid had to deal, like, you know, not making fun of the other yeah. kid's disability or anything. But Exactly. You know? yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's under, understandable, man. Understandable. Yeah. I could I could go on to, like, I had, uh, well, I'll do this not to, I'm not trying to one-up or anything like that. But I was just relating. I had, I was born with a seizure disorder. And, like, mm. I was in and out of hospitals all the time as a kid. You were talking about remembering the smell and stuff and, like, the look of the mm -hmm. hospital room. Like, because of all the doctor's offices and hospital rooms that I was in as a kid, I couldn't watch Star Trek because it sounded way too sterile for me. Oh, like, yeah, it was like yeah, it yeah. just reminded me of a hospital. And I never really dug it. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, I don't want to watch a doctor's office. <laughs> like, wow, yeah, yeah. I never thought of it. That's an interesting perspective. I'll watch Star Wars. It's a little dirtier, yeah. you know, a little bit more, right. like, uh, atmosphere to it. But, like, the whole, like, hearing, like, the doors open, like, like with the, right. um, like, airlocks on them and stuff like that. It just, yeah. I don't know, man. I just never could, just that feel that went with it, you know. Wow. How, how are your seizures now? They're well controlled. I am still yeah. medicated. I, I've never um, I've never experienced it. I, uh, I I witnessed one kid have a seizure when I was in school, and the the thought of that terrifies me. Yeah. Like the, I guess that I because you have no control, right? I mean, you're just I'm like, completely blacked out, so I don't know what's going on until I wake up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That just. I've been good on seizures for quite some time, though. So. Good. Good. Now, let's switch back to uh, from 
being like a Dr. Oz episode or something like that <laughs> to uh, talking about entertainment, man. Uh, I'm all about – I'm an open book, though, though. If people ask me questions yeah, and stuff like that, I'll, I'm more than happy to share it, uh, especially if it helps, yeah. like, some kid, like, with, like, a seizure yeah. disorder or if they hear you talking about having some cancer as a kid and they'll be like, oh, there's hope to get through this, you know. It's yeah, like yeah. if I can do that or, you know, I'd be happy to hear that. But yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. But now some advice from you, man. Um, for somebody who is looking to either get started out in uh, entertainment industry or in the entertainment industry or take that next step, what advice would you give them? Like uh, the areas that you're well versed in, like acting, voiceover, uh. stuff like that writing well first and foremost i think everybody wants to everybody wants to be some form of we'll say star yeah you know they want their 15 minutes of fame right definitely um there are so many people out there that they they it's like, yeah, I, I think I want to be an actor. I, I think I want to be a musician. Um, you know, uh, and then they'll – I've been asked this many times from people. They'll um, – friends, you know, kids who are now, you know, teenagers um, trying to plan what they're going to do for college and what they and, – and they'll say, well, you know, my son um, really, you know, he, he thinks he wants to be an actor. Can you talk to him? And, you know, of course I do. And – I'm just I'm just blunt and honest with them about how difficult it is, it it because it's not you can't look at it as a career goal. This, this is like it's it's part of you. Okay. So so you know this this advice has been has been given by probably every actor out there to other actors. If there is anything in this world that you could see yourself doing as a profession, that um. That you, that you would enjoy and that, that would put food on your and your family's table, go do that. Yeah. Because to look at this as, well, you know, this is what I'm going to do as a profession. It's not a profession. This is a life. And so everything about you has to be about that. I think that's why a lot of relationships and marriages in Hollywood struggle because the the – artistic endeavors always take priority which is a real shame yeah um and so to the you know to the ones out there who have managed to make their their marriages last so long man i applaud them um it's um but it's it's one of those like you 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 have to want it more than anything else in your life if you even have a chance of having a modicum of success because Success is different to everyone, and in this business, I mean, I, I look at it and I say, you know, I am so far away from where I want to be, um, not geographically. Yeah. I'm right where I want to <laughs> be, <laughs> but but in my career for as long as I've been pursuing this, I've been pursuing this for, for 20 years now, and and I, you know, I've had little, little bits here and there, um, a little guest spot on, on one episode of a TV show. Um, I've done a lot of theater. I've done voiceover for Japanese anime. Um, I've done 
a few commercials, but not enough to you know really sustain it like a com- as a commercial career. Yeah. Um, and it just it comes so infrequently that you just you you have to get your your mind away from this is what I'm going to do as a career. Um, it is a business, so in that aspect, it is a career. But it has to be something that you are absolutely passionate about. Now, once once you've established that yes, I have that passion, this is what I want. Then you have to ask yourself, and you have to be honest with yourself. Do I have the talent? Yeah. Because when you go into an audition room, the only thing you can control as an actor, whether it's voiceover, film, television, theater, any whatever, the only thing that you can control is the work that you do in that audition room. That is your job. When you, if you are lucky enough to book that role that's that's the celebration that's the party celebrating the work that you put into it so you have to understand that it's it is a business but you have to kind of know that you can't control anything beyond the work that you put into that audition and when you walk out of that audition, you have to let it go or it will drive you insane. And it took me years to get used to that and to really, really um, absorb that and appreciate. And so now when I walk into an audition room, the nerves are still there. They're always there. But when I go into an audition room, I just do my best to be present in that moment with whoever it is that I'm dealing with off camera you know whoever the reader is um and you you have to just you gotta be able to just learn to relax not take it you you take your your work seriously but don't take yourself seriously there's um there's gonna there's a lot of judgment you have to learn to shut that out and look within yourself and just know that you know what i'm enough yeah um, you know, and so that's that's probably a little deeper than you know most actors I hear give give advice. Um, but that's really where it all that's the core of it. That's really where it, where it starts. Then I would say the very next thing is get in an acting class, and you've got to get in a good one. So you have to do your research and find out. Don't just go for who's popular right now okay um don't go don't just go for the ones who are advertising that you know tom cruise studied here 30 years ago you know (laughs) so what so what and to me and i and i i i really i piss off a lot of people when i say this but if i'm considering studying with an acting teacher and i go and i look them up to see what film tv shows and theater they have done if i look at their imdb and it's less than the credits, the notable credits that I have, I will not study with that person. Understandable. And I'm not saying that they don't know what the, um, I guess, the, the educational aspect of acting is. But what I'm saying is if you don't have that real-world experience, if you haven't been on that set, if you haven't been grinding just trying to get an audition for, you know, 
show after show after show, then what real advice and guidance do you have to offer me? So you really have to research, but get you know find a class that you're happy with and get in there and you because it's it's all about you have you have to have the knowledge because when you if you're fortunate enough to get an audition, you got to go in there and impress them, and you may only have that one chance to impress that one casting director. And and I have screwed up so many times in front of casting directors, and there have been a few that have never called me in again, and it was because they looked at me and they said. He's too nervous. He's too green. He's been doing this for umpteen years. He shouldn't be this nervous. Yeah. But whatever it was, I may have had a hard time parking that day. You know, you've got to be prepared, and you have to go in and you study, study, study. It's uh, it's like with writing. You know, they say write, being a writer is just having homework for the rest of your life, and it's true. So <laughs> you can't just – you can't just, you know, oh, I'm a good-looking kid. Everybody tells me I'm good-looking. I'm going to go be an actor. No, you can't do that. It's You really have to know why it is you're doing it, and you have to really want it. You have to want it so badly that if if you could never do it again, you would have a really hard time trying to settle that with yourself. Um not, you know, and I'm not saying that it's the end-all, be-all because it is absolutely not. If something happened tomorrow and I, and I couldn't do it anymore, would I be crushed? Absolutely. Would it stop me? Would it end you know, uh, who I am as a person or would it – no, not at all. Um, and so I think really that, that's, that's – that's, what it boils down to, the advice that I would give is you just, you really have to know that you want it and stick with it because it's a lifestyle. It is an absolute lifestyle. That is some great advice, man. Um, now, I, and I really appreciate you going into that depth that you went in with it. As you said, not as many actors will dip into that uh, amount of depth. Well, I ramble it. and I talk a lot. So. Hey, it's all right. That's what editing is for. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and in, in spite of that, I really don't like to hear myself talk. So. <laughs> It's, it, you know, that's one of the f first things that you had to get used to doing radio and I imagine like voiceover, which I actually would love to get into doing. But right. uh, one quick follow up question to your auditioning. You know, you were talking earlier saying your mother taught you kind of to be you no matter what <laughs> other people think about you. Now, going into yeah. an audition, you have to kind of worry a little bit about what the casting director is thinking about you. Does that create some sort of conflict? Is that why you were so nervous? or? Well, you know, everyone is insecure about something. You know, we all, we all have our issues with ourselves, whether it's, uh, you know, like, okay, for me, me, for example, because of the cancer that I had and the radiation – um, I, I have bad hips. Okay. So when I walk, I, I kind of – I have sort of a um, – it's a weird um, limited rotation in my hip joints that causes a, an awkward movement in my gait. Um, when I'm uh, – and, and my weight fluctuates. So when – like when I'm heavier, it's it's accented more. You can really tell. Yeah. And when I was growing up, you know, I, I, I got picked on a lot. It made fun of um, – and you know, I pe kids would call me a penguin. Um, the you know make comments about the way I waddled and things like that. Um, but it's 
though we we all have those issues. Um, if you have a receding hairline and you go into an audition, you're gonna feel it's like oh they're just gonna pick somebody with a full head of hair. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that that is always on your mind. And that is the biggest struggle going into an audition is trying to trying to not worry about the way that because that is their job. Their their job is to look you up and down, find everything that's wrong with you, uh, what what you know could be perceived as yeah. wrong with you because there's nothing wrong with you. You are who you but are. Wrong right? for the role. So like. right, right, wrong for the role. So if I walk in and. Obviously, if it's if it's going to be a, a football player, unless it's an injured football player, they're not going to give it to me. Yeah, because I'm not going to be out there running up and down and you know getting tackled and stuff. So sometimes I will get my audition sides, my pages of dialogue, and when I'm reading it, I used to have this really bad habit of the the very first thing that would come to mind as I'm reading it is why I'm not right for this role. And it was usually, oh, well, I'm not, no, I'm not going to be good looking enough. I've seen this show. They only cast actors that look like they, sh they should be doing CK ads. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not tall enough because the, the lead actor that I would be in this scene with is six foot one. I'm five foot four. They would have to put me on an Apple box. They would have to build some kind of thing for, you know, uh, if if they're shooting us together doing a walking scene, um, that's just going to look comedic. So yeah. if you're, if it's a, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> doing twins, right? So if you're doing a heavy drama, that's not going to work. Um, unless he, unless he's the goofy sidekick, which fortunately I, I do get that typecast a lot. Um, but you, you have to find ways to, to not think that way, to just block it out, and that's where the preparation with the the work comes in. If you absolutely just focus on and focus on that character, focus on what your job is in that room, and and just you know be yourself. Um, they want they want to know you. Casting directors want to know who you are because maybe what you have to offer doesn't work for this role, but. Next week, next month, five years from then, a role can come up and a casting director is going to go, oh my God, do you know who would be absolutely perfect for this? We haven't seen him in five years, but Langley McCarroll is the right height. He has that quirky walk. He's got this very unique look that doesn't, it, it contrasts with everybody else on the show, so he's going to stand out. You know, yeah. those are the ways that you have to condition yourself to, to think about it. Um, performance art has absolutely no room for negativity. And, and sometimes that can be the biggest challenge is getting that self-deprecating negativity out of the way. Yeah. And you, you li sometimes you literally, like uh, my, my current acting teacher, um, Alan Feinstein, Wonderful, wonderful actor goes all the way back to, to Broadway in the um, uh, 50s and 60s. Okay. Uh, ter terrific teacher, terrific actor, great, great human being. Um, <clears throat> shout out to Alan. He, um, <laughs> uh, he, you know, he always said uh, his his whole thing is you know you are enough, and 
when when you're when you're trying to do your work and we all hear those little voices in our heads of it's someone in our past telling us that we weren't good enough whether it was a parent a sibling someone at school a teacher whoever we hear those little voices you're not good enough this isn't right for you you're not you know you can't do this it's okay to stop in the middle. Now, I wouldn't do this in front of a casting director, but when you're when you're when you're just you know doing the work on your own, or you're in a class, you're in a safe environment. It is absolutely one hundred percent perfectly fine to just take a second and say "fuck off," just out loud, scream it, yell it, whatever you have to do, because you have to get that voice away from you. Because it's not doing you any good. It's just hurting you. Yeah. So, you know, you, you just, you've got to be able to focus on, on bringing your best qualities inside and out every single time you walk into that audition room. And it, it, it's not easy. It is not easy at all. It might be the hardest part about all this. I believe it, man. I believe it because one of the things that have kept me like uh, shying away from being in front of the camera right now is my right eye because since I've been blind since I was 27, it's drifting over yeah. and stuff. And I've, I haven't told too many people that that's what I'm more self-conscious about really than anything. It's it's my main thing, I think, that would like stand out negative on camera yeah. anyway. I'd have to be shot from the left all the time. But... <laughs> Well, let, let, let me let me tell you this information, and I, I actually got to meet this actor one day, just um, in a coffee shop. Just a, you know, he was in there getting his drink, and I spoke to him. Uh, I've seen a lot of his work and really respect him. Um, he's just such a great actor and a really nice man. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, <laughs> just I, you know, I don't want anything negative to come back, but. Um, I don't. I don't know why it would be negative. Steve but anyway, Buscemi. Um, no. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. Well, I, I, I have. All, I've had a lot of people tell me uh, when I say, oh, I'm not good enough," or used to say, oh, "I'm not good enough for this," not good looking enough. They would always say, "Well, if Danny DeVito can do it," and I was like, "You know, fuck." <laughs> so, um, but they uh, there, there's this one particular actor that I he works all the time, and his eyes. And I can't. Uh, I looked it up one day, but I can't remember what the name of the condition is. His eyes twitch. It's constant twitching of his eyes. Really. And the first thing I ever saw him in was a film where they focused on that because it lended so much to the character that they would do these extreme close-ups of him, and it was just his eyes twitching, bouncing back and forth. And and I thought it was a gimmick when I when I first saw the movie. I was like, oh, that's cool that he can do that. Yeah. Then I, then, I, then I started seeing him in other things, and they would kind of hide it in certain things. Maybe they wouldn't go so close on him, or they, you know. But then I started noticing a couple of roles uh, where maybe he was playing like a judge or something where he was a little more stationary. And I noticed the occasional twitching before they would cut away. I would see his eyes do that. And then when I met him in person, it's, it's subtle. Um, you know the camera picks it, it. Camera accentuates those sorts of things. So when you're you're just standing there in front of him, unless you're really just, you know, just staring hard at him, which you don't want to do because that's just fucking rude. Yeah. But <laughs> but standing there just talking to him, I noticed his eyes naturally twitch, and it's a condition. 
Um, but he works all the time, and it's it's a unique characteristic that actually helps him get work. And that's how I've always had to try to look at my hip issues is that, no, I'm not going to be right for every role, but it's it's certainly going to lend to certain roles. Yeah. And um, so the, the things that that we view about ourselves that we absolutely hate, we wish we could change, um, it's part of us. And it, it, when, you're, when you're dealing with those things your whole life, it, it actually helps to shape who we are and, and who we become in the future. And um, we have to embrace those things. It's, uh, it's not anything that, you know, growing up, I was always made fun of and it was always something that, uh, you know, people outside my immediate family, you know, viewed as a, a very negative thing. Um, but what I've learned as an actor is that, no, no, it's not. It's, if anything, it's one of the most positive things in my life because it's, it's not all-encompassing about who I am, but it has certainly shaped certain paths that I've taken. Definitely. It's shaped my attitude on things. Um, Giving you more perspective on things, too. Yeah, yeah, more perspective. And, 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 and it makes you more caring toward other people and their, you know, their issues. Definitely. We've all got them. There isn't one single person on this planet that doesn't have some form of uh, disability, Brad whether Pitt. it's physical, mental. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well— I mean, you know, that guy's so ugly, but, I mean, he works all the time. Yeah. You know? So um, hideous. I don't know if it's his blonde hair or his chiseled jaw or what it is, but, um, I mean, the, the man is just ugly. I'm just He's glad just... I don't look like him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that'd be a rough life. No. I'm sure he has and his Ryan... own issues, but. <laughs> yeah. And Ryan, and Ryan Reynolds, fuck that guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So looks like an oompa loompa right right <laughs> i mean get some abs already jeez i know man i know and jesus christ and develop a sense of humor <laughs> um he's not coming on the show uh, <laughs> uh oh man no I, I i i do have to say um ryan reynolds is absolutely one of my favorite actors of of all time and people have argued with me because they've only they've only seen some of his more ridiculous things like Van Wilder. Yeah, I saw that back when, in the day. When you but... when you when you take that guy and you you look at his comedic ability, and then you then you cross reference that with some of the dramatic roles that he's done. I, I, I'm sorry, I think he's one of the most underrated actors of of our generation. And he did a great um, job as Deadpool too. Oh my God, he he was born for that role. Yeah. That's just he he loves that character so much that you know you can just you know he's having so much fun, and that's the thing he's bringing so much love and passion to what he's doing. You can't help but enjoy watching him. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite movies ever is Just Friends. Have you ever seen that? I think so. Is it does it? He is it's, an it's actor him and in Amy that Smart. movie, right? And like he like moves to Hollywood, gets big, and comes back home and tries to get he, like over Christmas he, or something. He he starts out in in a small town in New Jersey uh, as as the fat kid with like a list and he's or in love. Um, you, well, I actually I think that was like the prosthetics. I think it kind of gave him like a little. Oh, okay. But he, uh, <laughs> he he's he's absolutely in love with his best friend, played by Amy Smart. 
and you know she she just wants to be friends she thinks of him like a brother so it's the whole friend zone movie the whole that that's the theme of the movie is trying to get out of the friend zone yeah and and he you know everybody at school makes fun of him and he finally just you know takes off after graduation moves to LA loses all this weight and becomes Ryan Reynolds you know what i yeah. mean just ripped and and uh uh he becomes a a music talent agent like a, a musician's agent or manager and um, becomes very successful. And 10 years later, by accident, ends up back in his hometown of New Jersey where he finally gets the opportunity to kind of show everybody what he's become and he's determined that he's going to go win the girl that he's been in love with his entire life. And, of course, you know, chaos ensues. And uh, it is to me, it is one of the funniest movies. Um, Anna Ferris is in it, and she, she is just she is so amazing to me. Every time she comes on screen, I am just infatuated with that that woman. <laughs> <laughs> she is so funny, so talented. Um, so, uh, to me, you know, if if you have a funny bone in your body, I'll be your friend. I mean, that's just I. Comedy and sincerity are probably the two biggest things that I'm I'm drawn to. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, but Ryan is ugly as shit. I wish he could get a facelift or something Dude, like please, that. Dude, please, please, at least blur his face. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like you yeah, know, like soften a, it or something. For or us. like a witness protection program it on like 2020 or <laughs> 60 minutes. Please, please, nobody needs to see that. Oh man, so. What are you currently doing right now, Langley, to uh, promote yourself? Oh, God. Um, you know, because there's nothing going on, um, a lot of the casting directors have, have been more open online to um, looking at your demo reels. If, if you're an actor that they've never seen or they haven't seen you in a while. And the fact that I've only been out in L.A. for four years – there are so many casting directors out here that have no idea who I am. And, and I've tried over the years. You know, you submit headshots, you submit postcards, you try to get them your demo reel. But a lot of times, you know, if, if you're not with an agent that they work with out here, you know, they don't care. They're not going to look at it. Yeah. Right? Especially if it's just a general submission. Um, but since, since the quarantine, a lot of casting directors are trying to fill their time creatively and they're looking to the future, so they're <clears throat> they're using Zoom uh, and FaceTime and and all these other outlets to uh, do kind of like these free casting, uh, sort of like a meet and greet, or um, uh, they'll do some workshops for low pay, you know, sort yeah. of things just to just to keep the actors moving. They're doing. Um, open calls where you can submit like a a uh, one some of them are one minute some of them are you know they might have like a five minute limit uh, monologue or scene so that it gives them a chance to look at an actor they've never seen before and say okay you know I need to keep him in my file um, so I'm trying to take advantage of those uh, I'm not putting a whole lot of weight into them yeah uh, it's not you know it's just it's really more something fun and it's like hey you know if, if they watch it and they like me they'll make a little note and say yeah you know we'll try to call them in when a, when a role is right um, it can't hurt man you know, to get I, yourself out there <laughs> exactly you know you and that's the thing you just you got to be seen any way you can you just have to you know and try to try to try to be seen in a, a positive light um, 
you know, I, I, my agent and I keep up with each other uh, on face, Facebook and uh, uh, email. Uh, she's really awesome. She, um, she'll send out an email every once in a while to just kind of check on her clients and, hey, you know, do you need anything? Are you doing all right? Um, so just keeping up those relationships. Um, as far, I guess, as far as the, the self-promotion, that's about all I've done so far okay. because we're, we're so limited since there's no work. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, we can't. It's like, hey, I want to work on this show. Well, they're sitting at home going, yeah, me too. You know, it's my <laughs> show and I can't work on it right now. Um, so it's, you know, you, you, you just have to try to find creative ways to, to just get yourself out there. Um, this, this, you know, th this is a fun thing. This is why I kind of jumped at this. I was like, hey, give me a chance to talk to, you know, talk to you and uh, make a new friend. And, yeah, dude. Um, and just kind of, you know, hopefully, uh, you know. Hopefully, people will listen to me rant. I for, sure hope so. You know, I haven't had this. one listener yet, besides my mom. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> but she'll love you. No. <laughs> Good. Wait, what's her name? I'll say hi to her. Her name's Julia. Uh, hi, Julia. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> she probably will listen. So <laughs> it may not be right on time, but she listens to all of them. Um, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I like this one, but I didn't like that one so much. You were talking about this and that. So I might hear a couple of those subjects, but overall, I think she'll like the episode. I think it'll get the mom stamp of approval. But, um, uh, but my mom's, my mom's a pretty cool lady. I, I don't want to make her head too big by going into it too much. So, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so. Oh, and she's like, no, I raised you. Compliment me. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just Mother's Day, so, Mom, love you. Happy Mother's Day. Um, it may seem really late by the time this comes out, but. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, now, uh, this next question is like a two-part question. It is, what is a hardship that you've had to deal with? Uh, that you care to share, and also, what is a highlight you care to share with the uncontained audience? Mm. Um, you know, I mean, the the hardships. I mean, it's um, you just you kind of, God, if you have to like pick and choose through life, life is hard for everybody. Um, is there something you kind of overcame I, and made the best of? It's oh God, it's it's been a chain of events. Um, uh, growing up with a, a you know a single mother, yeah. Uh, I never knew I never knew my dad. He he was he bailed. He was never in the picture. Um, going through cancer the first three years of my life, I spent my first two Christmases and birthdays in the hospital. Um, my uh, mother's parents, my grandma and grandpa, they had a, a hand in raising me. I spent a lot of time you know with all three of them. Um, by the time I was sixteen, uh, they were all gone. Or, you know, my, my mom died a month after. Wow. Um, and uh, my grandma died two months before her. And my grandpa had been in a nursing home for already, like, two or three years. So, um, you know, I, I was orphaned at that point. I went through two, about two, two and a half years of foster care. Uh, moved seven times in that period. Um, and then, put you know, graduated high school, put myself through college. Um, and then, you know, when I realized in college what it was that I wanted to, to do um, that was it for me and yeah. uh, so I, I left Ohio I, I moved to North Carolina with um, with uh, my best friend from college 
Um, and he, he was there for almost a year and ended up going back. So after that, I was, I was there, you know, by myself. So literally I was, you know, on my, that was when I was literally on my own. Um, didn't still, after a year, didn't really know very many people in North Carolina. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to say the reason I moved to North Carolina at the time was, uh, I had gotten a scholarship to a drama school in New York. Uh, it was an audition scholarship. And I couldn't come up with the remainder of the tuition in time uh, to go. So it was either stay in Ohio and be miserable. Um, I didn't have the money or the connections to move to New York or L.A. on my own. And uh, my acting coach in college at the time had told me about Wilmington and all the, like, Dawson's Creek and uh, uh, what else was, uh, like, there was a lot of movies like Firestarter and... um, things like that that had, had gone on there. Uh, Matlock was, was there too. Um, and so he convinced me to go down there and, and just try to do some like independent film and theater and just build a resume, try to make connections, and then eventually move to L.A. Um, so anyway, now back to... Uh, so the, the hardship... I, I The hardship is just life, and I think it's that way for everybody. And... Um, it's just you know trying to trying to find those those moments of silver linings that each one of the hardships quote unquote hardships yeah. bring you and and it's it's about your perspective and and how you deal with those things i didn't deal with those things very well early on but as i got older i learned you know and um and uh I, as much as i hate that i had to go through those things um, at the same time, like I said earlier, they shaped me. Definitely. They made me who I am. And as a person, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll self-brag for a minute. I'm pretty proud of, of, who, of the person that I am today. That's awesome. And, and a lot of that is, is attributed to uh, my mother and what she instilled in me in those first 16 years. And, and then the friends that I have made I mean, that have become my family over all these years – um, their love, support, their guidance, the arguments we've had, the like everything, and and still, you know, um, after all these years, my friends are still my friends, and um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the hardships of life is just, you know, you you got to plow through them and just try and try and learn something from them as opposed to. You know, letting them get you down and be depressed about it, and and whine and complain, and because it doesn't do you or anybody else any good. You know, yeah. You, you got to try to try to. Uh, you break an egg. You got to try to make a cake, and um, so uh, and then the silver linings. I mean, you know, in life that would that would be my friends. Uh, they're they're probably the most important thing to me. Nice. Um, you know, a- acting being my my number one passion in life that that's my selfish need that's what i need for me yeah um but you know if that were taken away tomorrow i I would still have my friends so ultimately they they are absolutely what is important in my life and i don't always do the best job of showing them that but but it is true and when they need me i i do my damnedest to be there in any capacity that that i can um Silver linings in my career uh, would have to be some of the people that I've gotten to work with. 
um, especially growing up, you know, just loving comedy. I used to watch uh, In Living Color all oh, the time. Yes. I mean, that was, you know, uh, I of course I watched Saturday Night Live, and but In Living Color and Mad TV were probably the two biggest ones for me. Um, I don't know what it was about their style of sketch comedy. Uh, it was just, it was different, and the individual players were just so interesting to watch. Um, so I eventually, I, I got to work on a, the first episode of a, C, a CBS series uh, called Reckless, and I got to work with Kim Wayans of the Wayans okay. family. Um, and, you know, I, I knew her from In Living Color and Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking the juice <laughs> in the hood. <laughs> and Message. And she message <laughs> and she was she was just she was so nice and uh, I had such a great time working with her she was so sweet and then Deborah Wilson from Mad TV she was on that show she was one of the original cast members and I think she was on it for like the first at least the first decade maybe yeah. longer um, and you know she used to play uh, Oprah Winfrey and um, uh, Whitney Houston, and you know she can sing. She's a uh, she's an amazing voice actress. She works all the time as a voice actress. Um, Deborah and I ended up just connecting because I I started out just being a fan, being an admirer, and we we just sort of bonded over social media. And when I moved out to L.A. I, I had every intention. I was I was gonna tr just try and track her down because she had actually gotten rid of all of her social media. She just she needed a cleansing, and um, she had messaged me beforehand and she said, you know, um, I'm getting rid of all my social media pages. Uh, I need to take a, a very much needed break, um, but you you know you you have my information. You know, keep in touch with me. Well, the thing of it was, I didn't have her information. She thought she had given me, like, her oh. cell phone and all this stuff, and she didn't, right? Like, we had just never even discussed that. Um, and so by the time I was able to reply to the message, she had already shut her Facebook down. Man, um, rough. So I thought, oh, okay, all right, well, when I move to L.A., one thing I'm going to do is I know who, who her agent and her manager is. I will I will go to them and I'll just say hey could you get this message to her and just let her know that I'm I live here now and I'd love to you know touch base with her. So I was here for almost a month and I hadn't done that and uh, I was uh, I found a, a Starbucks nearby that that I, I enjoyed going to in the mornings to do my job hunt and do some writing and things like that. And I'm sitting outside one day, and I was thinking about her and th this is how like small Los Angeles really is. I'm sitting outside and I, I, I just started thinking about her and I was like, oh man, I've got to reach out to her agent and try and track her down. No more than five minutes later, I just happened to look up and I see these two women walking past Starbucks. And I thought, huh, that one kind of looks like Deborah. And then as she turned the corner and kind of came uh, a little bit closer to, you know, in my line of sight, I realized, oh my God, it is her. And I jumped up and I ran around all these people sitting there and everything to get out outside of the Starbucks area. And by the time I got out there, she was already like at the next block. She had already like gone through the light and everything. She's standing on the corner of the next block. And I thought, she is going to think I am just some insane person. And I screamed out, 
Deborah Wilson. <laughs> and she stops and she turns around and she had sunglasses on and I could tell she's like, like you know, squinting, like trying to. Is you know, this see a nut job her. or somebody I know? Right, right. <laughs> and and all of a sudden she gets this big smile on her face and she screams, "Langley McCarroll, oh my God!" And she comes running. <laughs> And she and I have been close friends ever since. That's awesome. She did a, a table read for me of a of a um a, a comedy a sci fi comedy pilot that I wrote, um and she came in and read one of the lead characters and she was absolutely amazing. She is such a sweet person. The it's highlights like that that if if I hadn't you know chosen to be an actor if I hadn't pursued certain things if I hadn't had the guts to reach out to her through social media and you know fan mail uh, via the internet um, you know and just and and just clicked with her she's such a genuine person um, the fact that I am friends with one of the people that I grew up watching and admiring and just you know adoring their comedy and their sense of humor and now we're friends uh, you know and and that's just such a cool thing to me. Definitely, um, it's you know I, I I could go and I could work on a set with um, you know Travolta or, or you know DiCaprio or any of those guys, and and it would be amazing. But to have the personal connection that I have with certain people that I have met through this industry, um, man, that 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 just that makes it all for me. That that is awesome, man. That is awesome. That's uh quite the highlight right there too. Like running into her, making that yeah, connection yeah. again. It was just so cool, yeah. And and we we've talked about it, like how just um how I guess uh you know it was destiny, just destiny that we were supposed to be friends because for you know she, and and I was on a side of town that she says she's never on. Really, um, she was only there because she had offered to help a friend. And, uh, like, drive them over to a store that ha just happened to be over there. Um, and she's like, I'm never over here. She's like, this is a one in a million <laughs> thing. <laughs> and she said, you just happened to have picked that Starbucks that day to go, you know. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I was just thinking about her five minutes before. It was just such a crazy thing. Did she ever tell you if she thought you were a crazy person at first, just yelling her name, or was she like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah"? You was know, she like, she, "I she thought figured... I was gonna get attacked, and then yeah, I recognized but, you." Probably, probably, you know, she, I think she, she thought it was probably just some, you know, fan or um, maybe somebody she had worked with in the past or something, yeah. you know. But there's always that hesitation of, "Oh, wait a minute, who, you know, who's stalking me? <laughs> Should <laughs> I be reaching for my mace?" <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, man. So, uh, um. Now, when you are currently, like, well, when you, not currently because you can't do anything really right now, but when you are performing, when, whether it's voiceover, whether it's acting, whether it's uh, screenwriting, is there something that you want uh, the consumer of or the watcher to take away from your performance or, or remember about your performance? Well, I mean... I mean, let's face it. It's all it's it's all about me. Of course, <laughs> it's all about Langley. Always, it's all about me. So you know, uh, even if I just have one line, you know, it's hey, it's it's my line. It's my scene. Yeah. So, um, no. <laughs> the, of course. Uh, <laughs> no, if um, I, honestly, I mean, I whether whether it's a comedy or a drama, 
if 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 I if I'm just doing my part to to make that you know that production whole you know you don't you don't want to be the the guy that's so into himself you go out and it, the performance is all about you and then you stand out for the wrong reasons yeah. you know you you've got to be collaborative and the whole thing is collaborative no no person on a set and and I know many people uh, in the industry would disagree with me on this no one person is bigger than the whole and you know it's all about just doing the best possible work that you can bringing your best self to it and hoping that the audience or the spectator is being moved in some way in a positive way um if it gets them thinking about something positive that maybe they they never considered before um one of the things for me when i go see a, a show or a movie is I love I love being moved. Yeah. Whether if if they're if they're making me laugh, I'm having a good time. If if something in that moment I connect with makes me cry, it 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 reminds me that I'm not the only one that feels that certain way that maybe the character is trying to portray. Um and to you know, if if the if the actor is doing their job, and they're then they're being convincing, yeah. Um, and 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 I can relate to them. It's um, it's healing. It's a healing thing to be able to sit there and and even just watch a movie on Netflix, and you know, just be moved by some romance. I'm a hopeless romantic anyway, so. Um, being moved by some romantic gesture that one character does for another or and some of it it can be the sappiest sappiest most <laughs> melodramatic crap and i will sit here and bawl like a baby for about five minutes because i was moved and then i you know then i'm laughing again um it, it's it's about the experience and if you can give an audience member an experience that they're going to remember then you have done exactly what an actor's job is to do. Um, I think too many actors forget that, and it all it, it, it does all become about themselves. You know, yeah. I'm the star, um, but it's not. It's not about us. It's about the audience. It's about the people that are, are paying money to watch us. And when you're lucky enough to make a paycheck to do that, oh, my God. That it, that is the dream. That is the success. Even if it just happens one time in your life, if that has been your pursuit and you finally get to make that happen, you're successful. Yes, that that that's so. awesome, man. That's awesome, man. Uh, just being able to take somebody on that roller coaster of emotion that you were talking about, yeah. that you experience as a viewer, would be pretty pretty awesome have you ever watched something you're in with somebody else and just kind of watch them to see uh if they go through the roller coaster of emotions or are you like no i don't want to because i don't want to be staring at them like are you gonna laugh now i i'm not one of those that refuses to watch themselves i i actually i i enjoy watching myself only for the purpose of 
finding what I could could have done better. Yeah. And then take that to the next job, right? So having my friends sit there and watch it with me is a little awkward. I would rather – I'm kind of clinical when I watch myself. So I would rather they stay home <laughs> or, or you know, um, you know, if, if I'm doing a, a play, you know, fortunately I can't see their faces. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, it, and if one of, one of those assholes decides they're going to sit in the front row and, and smile at me the whole time, you know, then I do everything I can to block them out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I – and the, the good thing is I have, I have a, a group of friends that I value their opinion. Yes. And they don't bullshit me. So if, if they do see something I'm, I, that I've done and I ask them, you know – and usually my question is, was this okay? <laughs> it's not how fabulous was I or, oh, man, you know, did you think I sucked? It was, was that okay? Yeah, like and what as was long your as honest they, opinion of this? Yeah, and as long as they approve, as long as they say, yeah, man, you, you made me laugh, then that was good enough for me, you know? Perfect. Um, yeah, it's uh, – And if I you have they're, good they're, friends, they'll make fun of you a little bit for it too. It, but. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's, usually, it's usually, you know, it's usually followed up. It's, uh, it's like, yeah, man, you, you made me laugh, mostly at the way you look, but yeah. you made me laugh. Of course. You know, and, and to me that – and, and that's, that's the way that I treat my friends and the people that I care about. If, if I am sarcastic with you, if I make fun of you, that just means I love you. you know? Exactly. Um, I – I I try. I I don't I don't like to throw, I love you around like you know it's an old newspaper or something. Um, when I say it, I genuinely mean it. Yeah. And it and it may it, it may be for various reasons, whether it's a girl that I'm attracted to or uh, if it's just somebody that I just want them to know. Hey, I love you. You know, you're not alone. Um, but. Uh, the uh so yeah so uh when i when i am when i am sarcastic with somebody it's because i feel so comfortable enough around them to be myself because i know that they know anything sarcastic or unpc that i say to them or around them they're not going to judge me and they're not going to say oh this, you know, he, he's an asshole. I didn't realize he was like this or, oh, my God, what a racist statement to make. Or <laughs> no, it's like they they know he's he's just being an asshole uh, because he's trying to get the laugh. That's all it is. It's just it's trying to make people feel uncomfortable enough that they're comfortable around me. Yeah, uncomfortable enough. They feel welcome. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes. And, and yes. I, I'm not going to go into it because listening to you sounded like me talking right there. Uh, <laughs> just like stuff that I've said multiple times. And like I, I tell this yep. story. I don't – I've probably told this on the podcast, but I'm not sure. I just remember the first time that I was uh, riding in the car with uh, my then-girlfriend, now-wife, and one of my friends from back home called Doug, same one that made the blind joke. And I answered the phone. Hey, what's up, you Irish fuck? And, yeah. uh, like, she turns to me and is like, you talk to your friends that way? I was like, yeah. She's like, what do you say to people you don't like? I'm like, nothing. I, I just right. don't talk to them um, yeah, unless yeah. I have to. And, it, 
and and if you do, it's it's just like a, a courtesy professional. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. Good good seeing you. Good talking to you. Hope to see you again. And then you walk off and forget them five minutes later. And then when but, you make fun of somebody, yeah. it's how you know they care. Uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it, man. Yep. I love it. All right, yeah. dude. I've had a blast talking with you today, man. Yeah, man, me too. Thank you. Before I ask the final question, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Langley McCarroll, L-A-N-G-L-E-Y-M-C-A-R-O-L, or you can find me on Instagram at L McCarroll. All right, and uh, where can they find uh, your podcast if they want to go back and check that out? And you can check out my podcast, Ain't Life a Bitch Podcast, on iTunes and Google Play. All right, perfect. And I believe I've listened to it on Himalaya as well, so if you have that app, check it out. All right, we went a little bit over the hour that I said it would be, like by about 45 minutes. But I told you I ramble a lot. It's all good. It's all good. It's better than I – know, I know in your podcast you have an episode about yes and no when a simple yes and no answer will <laughs> yes. do. That is the yes. worst thing for podcasting, though. Like <laughs> – but yeah, in in normal situations, if somebody you ask somebody like, "Hey, what's your age?" Well, um, I'm uh, well, I technically feel this age, but I'm of uh, this age and that age and this age. Yeah, then then it does get old. But if I just ask you, so Langley, what do you do? Do you act? Yes. Yeah, that'd be a pretty crappy <laughs> podcast. So I appreciate you rambling in this instance, and also in that rambling came a lot of great information. So I got that one final question for you. It's the title yeah. question of the show. Langley McCarroll, how do you live uncontained? I live uncontained um, by just, man, just trying to be myself and don't apologize for it. You know, um, I, once I figured out what I wanted to do with my life, um, there, there was no stopping me. Um, my friends kind of compare me to a, a bulldog that, you know, doesn't want to let go of the chew toy. Um, yeah. and, uh, and that's, that's kind of how I approach things in life. It's, if it's something that I want, if it's something I'm passionate about, you get the hell out of my way. Um, because you know, it may take me years. It may take almost my entire life, but eventually I'm going to get it. Nice. And uh, and just, you know, be be true to yourself and be true to the people around you um, and the people that that care about you. Um, and just, uh, you know, don't don't let anything stop you and don't don't. It's so hard. I mean, it's so much easier to say than it is because it's 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 it's, it's the true epidemic of life, I think, is not beating yourself up over shit that you can't control. You know, and um, you, you just got to you got to learn to let go and just 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 I don't want to say just be happy because that's something different to everybody. But you just got to be just be and be who you are and don't apologize for it. And, and you know, I mean, unless you're hurting somebody, if you hurt yeah. somebody, then get the hell out of here. You know, you don't belong here. But um, but man, just, you know, go out and, and be the best best kind of person you are and and be good to others and and good shit's gonna come to you nice man i, I like that i like that it's kind of like uh langley buddha mccarroll just be. Uh, <laughs> i just am uh so well i've you know i've, I've gotten some good advice from some good friends over the years so 
Perfect, yeah. man. Perfect. That's always good to have uh, friends that are experienced in what you're trying to do as well to get that yeah. get that feedback, get that valuable advice. And, you know, you may even get some great advice from somebody who's not involved in what you're doing as well. Just yeah, life no, advice. And, 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 and a lot of my friends, you know, especially the, the ones that have been my friends for 20 years or more, they have absolutely nothing to do with this industry. Um, one, or, one or two of them do, you know, that's kind of how we met early yeah. on. But, but the majority of them don't, and, and they, they don't really get my world, but they, they understand what I do, and, and they, they support what I do, and, um, and they just, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate, man. They, I have people in my life that love me for me and not, not what I do. And, Definitely. Uh, yeah. Definitely, man. Well, Dude, it's been great. It's been great talking to you. A great way to spend a quarantine afternoon. And I hope uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. I did, man. Um, I did. I really did. I have that one final thing for you to do, though. And yep. that is sign off the show. Will you do me the honor of signing off the show today, Langley? Absolutely, man. Check out the first season of the Ain't Life a Bitch podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Um, 50 episodes on there. If you like it, Please subscribe, uh, follow my social media pages. Um, they're mentioned in the podcast, and uh, and share with friends. And if I can get my numbers up, I may just knock out another season. And I'm Langley McCarroll, and I live uncontained. And that does it for another episode of Uncontained, coming to you from containment. That's right. Hopefully you're getting out, moving about, uh, staying active anyway. Take the podcast with you as you walk, as you jog, in your commute if you have to go to work, or or you can even do it on one of your smart home devices. All you got to do is say, hey, Google, play Uncontained, or Alexa, or whichever, whichever home system you have, uh, you should be able to uh, link to Uncontained that way i appreciate you listening and spending your time with me today i do have i do have more episodes on the way as always creeping up on 200 yes get getting ready for that uh mile marker right there and uh yeah i'll i'll tell you i'll tell you who's gonna be on my 200th episode the same guy who was on my first episode and my 100th episode tom Garland, yes, a comedian that uh, that I know from back in my Iowa days, and now he's uh, tearing up Vegas when when there's no quarantine right now. Well, we kind of have to talk about that a little bit during that episode, and uh, we'll we'll keep on entertaining you here on Uncontained. So please come back, bring a friend, tell some friends about us, have them log in, listen, and uh, until next time. Live uncontained, even in containment.